So what we envision with Quizzle is we, we want basically create really a world full of passionate children, which ultimately leads to a fulfilling personal and, and, and work life, which we obviously all want. Um, we know basically obviously that this is one of the hardest things to achieve, to be happy in private life and at work. Yeah. But we also believe that it is essential to explore interests, passions, and find out about strength early on when you're a child or a teenager. This episode is brought to you by WHU, the Otto Beisheim School of Management. WHU is reshaping the way students learn about business, management, finance, and entrepreneurship through its innovative programs and partnerships in Germany and across the globe. To learn more about this globally ranked university, visit whu.edu today. Hi folks, Dries here. Today, it is time again to introduce you to one of the young founder talents in our ecosystem, namely Rafael Verstappen. Rafael recently founded the company Coors Insel together with his co-founder, Lucas Schurman. The purpose of Coors Insel is to empower children to discover their interests and pursue their passions from the comfort of their homes. To do so, Coors Insel aims to provide access to a large variety of interactive online courses from drawing, dancing, science to even Minecraft and many more. In this episode, we will talk with Raphael to learn more about Kurs Insel and the underlying founder story. Hope you will enjoy the show. Coming to you from WHU on the banks of the Rhine River in beautiful Fallendar, Germany. This is the best and most awesome founder podcast. A show about entrepreneurs, innovators, advisors, and educators, and the stories that make them who they are today. Rafael, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Chris. Now, I think we, we first of all need to give our audience a bit of transparency because actually you and I have a history together. Yes. You uh, you conducted your master thesis at my chair when you were doing the master in entrepreneurship at WAU. And you actually did a very great thesis. Um, you got the best grade that is possible. And we then even decided uh, to jointly transform your thesis into an academic paper, which then even won a kind of very prestigious prize at an academic conference, which was, I think, a big surprise to both of us. And of course, given that I enthusiastically offered you a PhD position at my chair, which you then bluntly <laughs> refused. So, so here is my question to set the record straight. Why the hell did you refuse my offer to start a PhD and instead choose the uncertain life of an entrepreneur? Very good question. I think that sounds very traumatic uh, to start <laughs> off with. But uh, yeah, First off, um, I really enjoyed writing, obviously, the, the master thesis at your chair. I think it was also a great learning experience with the academic paper afterwards. I, as you said, was a surprise to both of us. So uh, that was uh, a great thing to, to learn and to experience. But to, to answer your questions, I, to, also, to answer your question, I think I need to go back a little bit more in, in time to, to explain how I ended up on this entrepreneurial endeavor yeah. journey that we are in, on now. So... I basically grew up in a, in a smaller village with roughly 3,000 people, not even that far away from WHU for the people that, that know the university. 
and uh, was lucky enough to try out a lot of things in my my childhood. So especially outside of school, a lot of sports, badminton, uh, soccer, like every German boy kind of, uh, boxing, American football, played the e-guitar, I think, for like 12 months or so. Um, I obviously played PlayStation, Nintendo, PC, you name it, basically. Um, but on the other side, in school, I was mostly a pretty average or sometimes a bad student up to the 10th grade, especially. And I remember my mother asking me after I did my Abitur, uh, why were you so bad up to the 10th grade? And why <laughs> did you improve so much uh, uh, in, uh, after the 10th grade? And um, I remember she, she, she telling me that I answered that, to that question that first, I, it didn't really count for anything up to the 10th grade for the German Abitur. That was first for the first reason. And the second one was that I didn't really enjoy most of the subjects taught in school. Just a handful, right, that have the right teachers. And then the Abitur, you were also able to get rid of some of them, which was great. So you had already a direction to focus on, on things. And um, this manifested throughout then in the next stages in, uh, at, at universities. It was basically the first time I really started to, to study and dive deep into topics that I had the most interested in, that I was passionate about, and which I enjoyed. And then again, during the studies, I tried out various things then more related to the professional life and not the personal life. So okay. right, the banking, uh, consulting, and startups, right? And then within this startup world, or while I worked in the startup world, what I really enjoyed working on was uh, solving a real pain point for a target group, a customer group, and creating value together with a, with a motivated team. And I mm -hmm. think this whole experience from out-of-school activities in my early childhood with the experience within school and also always enjoying and focusing as a next step on things that I have most interest in uh, uh, brought me on this, on, this, on this journey where I'm today founding a company with, with a friend that challenges us daily, that provides new experience daily, uh, but also deals with a topic that is really close to, to my heart, to our heart, and a product that can have a, have a real impact. And um, that's, uh, I believe, how, how I um, am, am now as an entrepreneur. Yeah, so step by step, you discovered that entrepreneurship is your choice to make. That's something like that. Exactly, yeah. Okay, great. Now, as I briefly mentioned in the introduction, so Lucas and you are developing a platform to actually allow children to follow online courses on topics that fascinate them. Yeah? A bit like what you were saying in your childhood, you want to explore a lot of things and as a kind of platform, you want to actually facilitate that exploration. Right. Now, could you explain a bit more why you actually chose to focus on this particular topic? Why did you choose to think about creating a platform for children to give them the opportunity to explore different hobbies? Totally. So... Um, next to the personal connection that I mentioned previously, there's a lot of change going on in the new generations compared to the last last decades, especially. So when you nowadays looks at look at how interests, passions, and strengths are developed at an early age, they're mostly influenced by parents, by teachers, by siblings, in general by your surrounding, mm -hmm. and also by offerings in your local neighborhood which are obviously uh, pretty limited and most often of the time, the same thing that our parents did. But nowadays, the young generation Z and Alpha, they are simply more, more digital and more global. They grow up with, with digital devices. They, they hear almost daily kind of about climate change, a guy trying to populate Mars, uh, games such as Minecraft and, and, and Fortnite, Fortnite. And this newness and fast pace 
uh, uh, just came into this environment of children and teenagers. And this is simply not reflected, as I said before, by how the school is nowadays working and what kind of subjects they offer, but also in this local offerings that, that surrounds the children. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, you have, of course, the, the parents' perspective, where you got to know that um, like 64% of families, the parents are both working. Um, again, 62% of, of, of parents, they are pretty unhappy with, with the topics and skills that are taught in school because they are not preparing uh, uh, for this, this new, new world out there, the new skills that are needed for children and teenagers. And in addition to that, more than 50% of parents are pretty unhappy how their children use, use digital devices and um, com basically combined this whole new environment for, for children and teenagers and the fast-paced environment that also parents are in, we see that there needs to be uh, a, a change, basically a paradigm shift. And with especially the last two years where you have the corona pandemic no. and got a big new innovation acceptance, especially for uh, remote work, for in general web conferencing tool, for using tools such as Zoom or Microsoft Teams, right? It just provides complete new possibilities to parents, but also their kids to get rid of these limitations that I was mentioning before and to just provide children with an, with an independence of, of school and their parents and independence of being driven around all the time. And that's what we're doing then with Kursin. So we are trying to contribute to more, more meaningful screen time uh, while also empowering uh, the, the, the children and teenagers to, to lead and uh, to find out about their interests, about their passions, their strengths, to lead to a fulfilling personal and, and work life. And what we definitely believe here is that interactive live courses via this medium, via Zoom, is the way to go. It is uh, taught by inspiring course teachers. Perhaps we cover that a little bit later as well. It is mm. interest-based. It covers topics that are not really available in the neighborhood. And it simply provides more flexibilities for families and, and, and children likewise. Yeah, given that I'm a, a parent myself living in a small village with two young children, I can see quite some of these pain points that you're mentioning. But also the, the school in terms of digitalization has not really made a lot of progress since the 80s, I would say. So that sure. uh, I, I can to some extent uh, agree with the pain points that you're mentioning there. Uh, but still, let, let me maybe... Uh, ask you a question and and i think the listeners that listen to the podcast know this because i think garrett often emphasized the importance of what he calls founder market fits and where, right. where he really emphasized the importance that founders have a kind of experience with yeah. the pain point that they want to solve now if i look at you and and lucas you both are 20 year olds living in berlin and may, maybe i missed the most recent <laughs> updates but as far as i know uh, you both didn't have children or not expecting children yeah. but then the question becomes a bit how do you address this issue of founder market fits right so yeah you're right we are in the mid, mid of our 20s uh, um we are we're both living in berlin and we are well aware that uh, we are not fathers yet and you didn't miss any any personal information there so you're totally <laughs> right um, and I think the imp most important part as I said is that we are aware of this fact and uh, to counteract that basically what we did right from the beginning when working on, on Kurs Insel we talked to a lot of families to a lot of parents mothers fathers to a lot of children and from all age groups, from, from 6 to 18 years old, obviously totally different conversations when you talk to them. 
uh, we exchanged ideas with with teachers and experts in the in the industry. And what we are trying to do is stay really close, in very close contact to to our target group. So. Mm -hmm. For us, when we've talked to the parents, we we not only talked to them once and then said, okay, goodbye. What we've did is build a connection. We've uh, we we have so many new new contacts now on our phone where we can just uh, hit up uh, different parents in, in in WhatsApp to get quick feedback, jump on okay. a short call, and uh, I think this is what we are trying to 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 do, especially to stay close to the target group and interact together with them as close as possible and building the product basically together with them because in the end it needs to solve a, a problem for them. Great. And because and that's actually also what we learn or students at VAU, this customer-centric approach is very important yeah. uh, that you do from the start a lot of customer interviews to better experience what is now actually the pain point? How are people really experiencing? What are they trying already to solve it? Why is it yeah. not working out that solution? Maybe can you, can you share us a bit about what kind of insights you have gained from doing these customer interviews? Have there been certain insights that surprised you or certain assumptions that you really needed to change based on the interviews that you had with parents? Totally. Um, I think you mentioned quite, quite, quite good. So obviously right in the beginning, we're also trying to work very hypothesis driven. Yeah. So had a lot of hypothesis in the beginning and then talking to, to parents, children and so on and so forth rejected some, confirmed some, and I probably could list uh, quite a lot of things, but uh, I try to stick to, to one or two to, to keep it as simple. I think uh, the first thing for sure is that we believe that children have a good understanding of digital devices, especially in a young age, uh, but how good that actually is blew our, our mind kind of. So Okay. From early or young, 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 young age or young children are very good in, in learning new things and dealing with the iPads and, and PCs. It's no problem, no problem at all, basically. Of course, <laughs> you might have in the beginning a six, seven-year-old or even eight-year-old where you need the parents to, to set it up once or twice to, to stay in touch and, and, and see how it works. But then they 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 they, they grasp to understand how it works pretty quickly and are almost doing it intuitively. And I think uh, it confirms something, but it also accelerates something that with uh, that we with what we thought. On the other side, I think a very important insight was for us that, especially in the beginning, we kind of had the hypothesis that a lot of children are a little bit bored outside of school. So especially when okay. they are at home, especially also in. Yeah, in, in winter months or something, there's not so much going on. And that is why they need some form of, of occupation. And uh, that might be cousins, right? So that yep. was the, the hypothesis. But what we then quickly figured out is that it's not really the occupation problem that parents or children face because, you know, they have so many other things you have for example the digital devices Ch child likes to sit often in front of a screen so they can have the the smartphone the ipad the tv so it's not really that they're pretty bored because there's there's things that they can do it's yeah. rather the 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 perception and what parents like what their children are doing in their free time so i think that was a twist in our in our thinking that we are working with and that's what we are kind of focusing on to to combine this screen time that children really enjoy with a purpose and a and a meaning content a meaningful content which, yeah. which parents would like the children to have and that in a live live uh, interaction session and i think these are like two two examples which i believe are, are, are good insights what we've learned from from parents next to things uh, next to other things 
Yeah, that's and that's very interesting because what you're saying is what 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 we found out there is not a lack of entertainment to them. They are they are not bored, but it's more the quality of entertainment. So instead yeah. of just <laughs> browsing through YouTube videos uh, or watching Peppa Pig on Netflix, let's give them something more meaningful. Not that's yeah. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Good. Oh no, that makes that makes a lot of sense to me. That that's very interesting. Um, can you then maybe? If we then look at, at the platform, so it's a platform where you try to connect children with teachers that can offer particular courses. As such, I think that's not uh, extremely novel. So can you maybe talk a bit about what is actually the unique value proposition that you want to bring forward with this platform? Yeah, totally. So I think we need to look at that from, from both sides. As you said, we're building this platform, the marketplace. On the one side, we have our, our heroes, the parents, uh, and also the users that are the children. And on the other side, we have the, the course teachers, right? Yep. Uh, for whom we need to, to bring value. Uh, when we start with the children and the parents, what we are doing is um, firstly, what we discussed before, we are going to be the number one place where you have a high quality uh, courses by inspiring and motivated teachers that go through a strict application process. So when okay. you come to course in the basically now, there's an interest your, your child wants to learn and you think that is valuable for your child, you can be sure that there is a teacher who, who conveys that in an adequate manner and with a lot of inspiration and motivation in contrast to oftentimes in, in, in school. On the other side, being doing the live courses from home, it enables more, more flexible timing. Of course, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's live, right? That gives some, some direction when it needs at some hours, but in general, it's more flexible because you don't need to drive around as a parent and the time and location uh, is, is more flexible. And last but not least, um, they are interactive and social. We are not providing uh, right now like YouTube videos, as you said, we just sit in front and watch, and watch them. These courses are live via Zoom. That means teachers provide feedback and children can help each other. I think we have a cool, cool example for that. So we, uh, we, we took part and uh, executed a, a coding course and uh, there you had the course teachers with a couple of, of children and then uh, the children presented what they basically uh, basically done and presented their, their code kind of uh, yeah. and uh, instead of simply the teacher telling them or the course teacher telling the children okay here you made the mistake in, in line 10 of your code uh, the, the kids jump in and tell them hey hey Max uh, uh, <laughs> line 10 you, you made a mistake here yeah. you should do it like this so I think that's also great that then, then kids can interact with each other and then not only from their own neighborhood, but also from the whole German or Dach, uh, Dach region. On the other side, you have the course teachers and these are different personas that you can, can, can check. So these might be individual people that have a, a normal business, um, um, uh, run business in their neighborhood and moved online and seen how good it works online during the Corona pandemic and stay mm. with it online. Oftentimes also have some smaller businesses that do it a little bit more professional uh, already that like yeah. to have a new uh, add-on income stream. And then you, of course, have as a, as a next stage, individual like you and me who have a passion for something, who have an interest in something that perhaps have not done yet an online course, but eventually want to share their knowledge with next generations. 
and what we provide for them is obviously reached to a wider uh, wider audience and providing their additional additional revenue that they can create for for them because they are experts in conducting and developing the courses basically yeah. but they are not necessarily the experts in uh, in reaching the right audience and and getting the marketing and the word out there Therefore, we are making it also easy for them to to communicate, uh, com communicate and present their courses on on our platform. So, what we've learned from all the interviews with the parents, we know what they want to hear, what they want to see. We can translate that to the course teachers so that they can create the perfect courses which we then present. And last but not least, I think this fits all in this whole context of continuous learning that we all know from from the professional world. It's the same with yeah. the course teachers. They want to become better themselves. They want to become more professional, and we want to enable them to become more professional with a form of a, of a, of a learning center with uh, uh, with data that we are creating with our bird's eye view of the platform. Yeah, and I, I think uh, as you now nicely explained, it, it's it's a fundamentally a two sided platform. Now, when I teach uh, about platforms uh, at Bao in my courses, uh, the first thing that I always mention is uh, one of the core challenges if you build up a platform it's the chicken or egg problem yeah? so yeah. for me as a parent the platform will only be interesting if there's a lot of supply so that i can choose yeah. together with my children what do you want to do and for of course the the teachers the platform only becomes interesting if there are a lot of children around yeah? and that yeah. creates this chicken or egg problem so what are your plans to address that Totally, I think this 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 challenge, uh, this chicken egg problem challenge, uh, uh, like all marketplaces are facing that, and uh, especially in the beginning, it's a, it's a, one of the bigger challenges. What we've seen and and experiment and work with is that, especially the supply side is not that big of a problem in the end because you have a, a course teacher to student ratio as well as a teacher or course teacher to course ratio. So you mm -hmm. can imagine. The course teacher that I was explaining before, they are providing a live course for up to five or ten students or, or, or children, depending obviously on the on the type of course it is. And next to that, they are eager to offer even more courses. So they often offer like two or three courses that have a different focus but are somewhat in the same domain. That makes sense. And what we see there that you need a uh, uh, not that a huge amount of of course teachers to basically serve uh, uh, serve the, the 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 parents and and the children. What you need is the is the right number uh, is the is the is the right content and the right courses basically. Okay, and that's where we then now focus and see. Okay, the demand aggregation, the demand side is something that we need to focus on early on. And here we strongly believe that. Um, a vertical strategy, that's how we call it, makes the most sense. So basically, instead of supplying all kinds of courses in different categories, in different topics at the same time, which makes it really hard to fill these courses, we are focusing in the beginning on specific verticals that might be something as uh, um, kinder yoga or, or kids yoga or uh, like arts or like digital skills. We mm. want to ace this vertical, grow within that vertical, and then expand basically from vertical to vertical to focus more on this concentration of courses. And that's our, our plan to, to solve the chicken egg problem. Okay, so you really want to focus almost like on matching the courses with, with your verticals so that you have a limited number of verticals where you really can provide sufficient offerings 
and then attracts the, the children and the parents to fill up the courses that you have there. If I exactly. Because I think also, if you look at it, um, there are, of, of, of course, like some courses or some topics that are shared by a majority of children, right? And you need to, to find that to have this large amount and concentrate. Of course, you have a lot of fun and great courses, but these are more in the, the long tail where it's like harder harder to, to, to get and fill the courses. Yeah, and That's where you just need to, to find the balance. And we believe the right way is to start, of course, there with the, the large majority and the largest uh, demand. Okay. Yeah. Great. And as you mentioned before, of course, it's very important that you have offerings. So yeah. in the end, courses done by teachers that have a certain quality standard. And I think you mentioned it before, we want to make sure that our courses that we have on the platform are of high quality. Can you tell us a bit more about how you are planning to achieve that? So how do you do this kind of uh, control in terms of quality? Sure. So quality as you said is basically top of our mind and i think that's one of yeah. our of our usps and uh, here basically you follow a two-step process so so first there's a strict selection process right so not everyone who wants to provide a course on course insel is able to do it so it's not one of these marketplaces where you can simply put your offering up and it's online directly yeah, so okay. it's restricted in that way yeah. what that means is that uh, basically course teachers need to apply from form and in this application process we do a video screening where they hand in for example a three-minute video and introducing themselves what they're trying to do so we get a first feeling we do a cv and background check and we check their course content that they are trying to offer so basically what are the the contents of the course what is the uh, the the images that they want to present what is the, the videos and how do they present themselves basically yeah. quality high And last but not least, we are kind of doing a, a dry run to, to check all of the things out that are not easily transported via, via paper or via like other like recorded videos uh, is such as the internet connection, the audio quality, right? That's important <laughs> as, you, as you know for the podcast, as you know for the podcast. So this is basically our, our selection process. And then, yeah. of course, as a next step, you need to have the evaluation process. Um, which is then once they are on the platform, once the course is taking, once the course is taking part, you need to to measure how good they are performing. So, right, using NPS scores, obviously uh, asking, having close contact again to the users, asking for their feedback, and then rigorously decide if this course is good, basically in terms of quality and what the users like or not. And that's how we make sure that the quality is is high on our platform. Okay, yes, clear. Um, maybe a bit of a broader question, because of course, when I prepared yeah. for this interview, I checked also uh, the LinkedIn site of Kurs Insel, and I was uh, I was seeing uh, the first vacancies where you were looking for some interns. I noticed, and and what struck me was that the vacancy mentioned uh, remote possible. So it seems that you guys are open to yeah. have interns that that assist you remotely. And actually, that's something that I noticed with a lot of startups in our ecosystem that they are very open to allow people to work remote and that some even have this kind of remote first policy where actually right. everybody's working all around Europe and then once in a while they would come together. And, and it actually struck me because what I see at larger companies, even high tech companies, I think about Apple, Google, and even Tesla recently, 
they actually are really promoting people to come back to the office yeah. and maybe promoting as a soft word. It's more like if you don't want to come to work to the office, please don't come to the company anymore. So then we will fire you. So it really struck me that I see with the current generation of startups, there's a lot of willingness to accept this kind of home office work, whereas the more established high-tech players seem to, again, leave it behind. Can yeah. you give me some insights on how you are looking at that topic? Totally. Uh, I mean, first of all, when we're talking about interns and positions and how we're moving, so uh, for the people that are listening and are interested <laughs> perhaps in, in working in a, in, a, in a great company and uh, having a real impact, reach, reach out to me or, or Lucas, we're always looking for great talent. But uh, yeah, anyways, uh, coming back to your question, um, what is what is my take on it? So um, I think, first of all, a practical reason, we don't have the fancy office yet that okay. Tesla, Google and so on <laughs> and, and have. So I think that, that's the first reason. Um, the second reason is that um, I believe and I, I believe I would like my employees to have something that I would also like to have. Yeah. And um, this is something called for me, definitely flexibility and has a lot to do with uh, um, 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 being your kind of uh, flexibility and so from, from where you work and also uh, having an impact on what you're doing. And um, that's why I'm believing that this, this like a hybrid setting makes the most sense where I still believe it's it's important to to regularly see each other in in, in the office in in real life but no. at the same time providing the flexibility for people to work from home perhaps they have not meetings that need to be done by face by face they are able to concentrate better because we are so individual in how we work that some people work better from the home office and others work from the office and I wouldn't like to take away this uh, this this energy that that people get from different work settings, and uh, on the other side, of course, uh, we are working from from Berlin uh, as a as a startup city and and hub with a lot of competition in terms of getting the talent. Yeah, and obviously, if you're a younger company like us and you do not have the brand yet, right? Mm. You need to you need to you need to 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 get talent on, on other ways, and I think hybrid working or, in, or just providing the option to, to work a couple of days from home or to work a week from, from somewhere else or to work a week from uh, or two weeks from somewhere else just can, can help us uh, a lot in the sense to, to get the best talent. And that's, that's my opinion on, on, um, on why I believe um, remote work makes uh, still a lot of sense. And um, yeah. No, no. And that's that's often what I hear, and it, for me, it's more interesting to see but that these larger companies are now really kind of pulling back from this uh, home office thing. Yeah, I, I mean, think they, they, built these, they, they built these expensive offices. I mean, uh, it, <laughs> yeah, would be, okay. it would be a shame if they're not getting used, right? So, <laughs> yeah, that's maybe like the accounting reason why they want their people back because otherwise their offices are quite empty. That's that's maybe also part of the explanation. That might be. Good. Um, maybe to to um, wrap it up. So, yeah. can you tell us a bit about what is actually the the broader vision that you have with Kusel? So, so of course you're now really at the starting point. Right. Uh, but but what are, what are the ambitions? What is the vision? Yeah. So what we envision with Kursensel is we, we want basically create really a world full of passionate children, which ultimately leads to a fulfilling personal and 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 work life, which we obviously all want. Um, we know basically, obviously, that this is one of the hardest things to achieve, to be happy in private life and at work. 
Yeah. But we also believe that it is essential to explore interests, passions, and find out about strength early on when you're a child or a teenager to, in the end, increase the likelihood of following and fulfilling, uh, uh, to, to increase the likelihood of uh, following, fulfilling interests or hobby and working in a job that reflects that these interests and strengths. And this is uh, our, our vision. And this is what we embark on with, with Kursinsel to make that, uh, to make that happen. Yeah. No, and I think that's a very nice vision to have. And I think there is still a lot to gain in Germany about education, <laughs> uh, <laughs> helping children to uh, have the, the hobbies that they have. So in that way, I really like it also as a parent, I would say. <laughs> thanks a lot, Tris. Thank you. Okay, Rafael, thanks for sharing uh, what you're doing. And even though you bluntly refused my offer, I really <laughs> hope that uh, this will become a huge uh, success. So. Uh, I wish you all the best with Kurs Insel and the further steps that you have to take. Thanks for and having me. Had a lot of fun. Great. And to the listeners, thanks for uh, listening to this episode. If you liked what you heard, please don't forget to rate us because that's very important for us. And we hope to hear you again in one of the next episodes. Goodbye. <laughs>